That's reserved for members of our prime flight program. You got to be a 4.2 or over to qualify. Oh, I'm I'm a 4.2. <laughs> mm -mm. I'm afraid you're actually a 4.183. Well, that's not my fault. Um, some woman dinged me down in the cab drive. Can't you just... I'm sorry, it won't let me book it without the correct ranking. But it's so close. There's just nothing I can do. I mean, surely. I'm gonna have to ask you to moderate your language then. Can you call the supervisor? I cannot do that. Can you just call the supervisor? I cannot do that. Call the f***ing supervisor. Okay, that's profanity. We're zero tolerance on profanity. I'm sorry, it's just... Yeah, I have to serve the next customer. No, 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 Step no, no, away, no. ma'am. God, just help me! I've called security. Everybody and welcome back to the 75th episode of The Fear of God. I can't believe it. Can you guys believe it? With you right now is one of your favorite hosts, Nathan Rouse. Your other favorite host, Reed Lackey, is finishing up in Grandma's bathroom. Um, you know, we are, and you know, we want to give him some space. I, listen, I get it. Um, so we want to give him a minute or two to, to finish what he's doing. We're in hashtag TV guideposts. Um, you know, two weeks ago in grandma's bathroom was the twilight zone. We found the twilight zone in there. It was really, it was really crazy. You know, last week we found an X-file in grandma's bathroom. We'll see what we're going to find this week. Read! You're back. I appreciate it. Wow. Hey, I appreciate you spraying, buddy, on your way out. <laughs> I appreciate you spraying. My favorite thing to say anytime someone you're in a social setting and someone walks out of the bathroom, favorite thing to do is to make everybody go quiet, look right at the person and go, could you hear us? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if that's just a fun performance joke right now or like pulpit joke, but I hope you actually do that in real life because that would really make me happy. I, I do that pretty frequently. Yes, I do nice. that pretty frequently. Nice. Yep. Nobody ever laughs the way you did, though. That's why I tell you my jokes, because <laughs> you, you get them. <laughs> it's safe. You're, you're safe here. Just you and I in conversation. Exactly. Well, hey, man. Hey, buddy. So we're in. We're bringing it home, finally. We're, we're Yes. <laughs> we are finally getting off the pot, as, as the saying goes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, this is our concluding episode for now of the first edition of... Uh, hashtag TV guide posts. Uh, this has been really great. I know I had a ton of fun visiting Twilight Zone. Uh, you had a ton of fun, I'm assuming, uh, oh, visiting X Files. I did. Yes. It was a lot of fun. So, um, so I, was, yeah, so, I was, hey, listen, real ahead. quick. I was just a little bit of business here. I listened to our X Files episode 
and we're fun guys. That was that was a fun conversation. But <laughs> but particularly, I want I like to, us. I we're want, fun. I want to ring the bell on myself here. I made the quote in the moment of Stephen King's. Uh, I said, "Ka is a circle," but in fact, the correct quote is "Ka is a wheel." Is that correct? That's right. That is correct. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt like a dummy listening to myself sound like a dummy. So I want to correct myself. It's really weird yes. how this technology do works. Please, <laughs> do please correct yourself on the super deep cut for uh, <laughs> all of our Stephen King fans. Yes, hey, yeah, do you please. know some of them Stephen <laughs> King nerds, they're like, uh-uh, he got, he's wrong. Cause a wheel, Nathan, it ain't no circle. Cause a wheel. He ain't never read that book. You've forgotten the face of your father, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> wow oh that is so funny um so yeah i i don't even really have uh much cleverness in the way of introducing this week to conclude our tv guideposts i think in 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 large part i think a lot of it was just an excuse to get to talk about our favorite shows and then talk about something somewhat relevant, talk right, about something right. that was a little bit more recent. Um, so yeah, obviously we could do a whole nother series of episodes on twilight zone and X files. But, um, those of you out there who are Netflix subscribers have probably heard about a little TV show called black mirror. Uh, it has been making Whoa, all kinds mirror. of waves on, <laughs> yes, uh, it's been making all kinds of waves on Netflix. Uh, I think I first mentioned it on pod back, uh, when we talked about Mother, right? Was that correct? I think uh, I remember that. It's possible we've referenced it before, but in terms of actual content, maybe so. Yeah. Because season four was just released uh, to Netflix, and so we thought it would be appropriate to conclude this journey uh, through, you know, the magazines in Grandma's bathroom to um, Highlight. to include... <laughs> Boy's Life. Magazines, the, the magazines in Grandma's bathroom. I know. I'm just trying to think of something funny yes. that can match. My son Southern, still subscribes Southern, to highlights. Southern as a living, fact. good housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Guideposts. Can't forget it. Guideposts. Yes. I know. I know. I get it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we thought it would be fun to to bring in this show, which everybody's been talking about, and everybody has been. Uh, well, I don't know about everybody, but most people have been talking about. They probably binge watched season four as soon as it came down, and uh, I think to this day, you have only seen a handful of episodes. I like Is that how right? you did you that. Not... I like how that was, that was this real. Everybody like, else knows real, about this. Yeah, but... this like subtle shade you just threw at me. You're like, you know, everybody binge watched season four. Everybody is talking about it on Nathan. You're only up to like four episodes, aren't you? You're you're like that screw was, everybody. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be <laughs> like. Gonna... You're not gonna be like everybody, Mister Fancy Pants, Mister Non, <laughs> Mister Nonconformist, Mister Theater Guy. <laughs> oh, <what> uh, <laughs> no, no. So since you're calling me out on the carpet here, no, I Put have not. I have not. Um, I've not seen every single. Uh, minute of Black Mirror read, okay? Um, it's confession time. I have not, all right? It's just too, <laughs> it's so nihilistic. It brings me it, sad vibes, you know? Sure, and, sure, uh, exactly. But what's funny about you introducing it that way is I'm going to throw shade at you. I got you interested in Black Mirror, mister. You sure and did. Then, you sure did. Then you, you, you like, tell me about it. You like Roadrunner to Wile E. Coyote or the tortoise and the hare or some sort of 
fast thing versus a slow thing. I beat you to the punch. You're, yeah, well, you did. <laughs> here's the thing, and like, like we we have other stuff we're going to get to in just a second. But like, but honest to goodness, like you you <laughs> recommended me the show. You're going to love the show, Reed. Reed, you're going to like this show is this show is so you. And well, then, really, the the what tipped me off to that was the was the pig the pig humping in the first episode. I was like, Reed's going to love this. <laughs> but here's what's great about that is that you went on from the <laughs> right. You went on from that first episode, and you still watched the second one. But evidently, you were just like, "I'm good, I'm good." I was like, "Like, I think I've, I think I've had enough." And meanwhile, like, I binged the whole show, right? So I binged the whole show up through season three at that point. So I binged the whole show, and then I report back to you. I'm like, "Hey, so I've got my rank of favorite Black Mirror episodes. Let's talk about." It. And you're like, "Well, I've only seen the first two. I'm like, "What the? What? Like, am I living in a Black Mirror episode? What happened? Like, what is going on?" So, uh, I was, I was, but yes, I was too traumatized by the prime ministers that is a, i will say this uh, well no i'll save that for when we get to okay, it just yeah, remind yeah. me again about prime minister i'll, I'll remind because, you about the bacon right uh yeah that yes before yeah. we get before we crack the black mirror here reed i just i want to do uh, well i'll introduce it and then we'll talk about it so i am curious what you're watching <laughs> what you're reading <laughs> what are you listening to do, 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 do. I was going to make this a special one, but I'm going to save that until next week. So <laughs> keeping you on your toes. Oh, all right. Um, so yeah, specials. Uh, what you're watching, reading, listening to. So I'm going to start with something okay. I just watched. I knew nothing about this and then heard an interview with the director on the podcast. I reference occasionally the watch and watched Netflix's The Ritual. Uh, Ooh, I want to see that. Just the other night. Yeah. You know, it is kind of nice. Like, I typically really enjoy the material you and I cover, but mm-hmm. I think you'll know this. It, I I feel like it it feels to me like it's been a little while since I've watched something with very little, um, not just expectation, but I don't need to formulate a certain kind of feeling about it. If that makes any sense at all, yeah, sure. You know, like sure. for instance, I love big budget like the Marvel tent poles and things like that, and Star Wars like there's a certain level of energy and expectation and you got to kind of formulate your thoughts. So you're assessing it in a bit more of a critical way than maybe you'd as a true, just sort of movie fan want to. Um, right, right. And, and then for the stuff you and I watch, I'm usually very mindful. Okay. You know, what, what is the movie trying to say and this sort of thing, which is good and, and, and leads to gen- generally robust conversation, except for that particular one. Oh, there's yeah, a, that's that not very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, let the, we'll let the audience vote on that one. Um, but so it was nice to just say, you know what? I'm, I've heard some good buzz about this scary movie and, and it is pretty tense. I'm just going to I have no agenda with watching it other than just to have a good time. And, and it really it's it's really strong. Um, our listeners, you, my friend, you will really enjoy it when the time comes that you sit down. Awesome. There's not really like, well, I was going to say there's not like spoilers per se, but you know, like any really solid kind of scary movie, there are surprises and there are elements that if you read about them are going to diminish some of the experience. So I would encourage right, someone, right. The, the loose premise that gives nothing away is a group of friends, a group of 30 something male friends, um, whose friendship has been tested previous to the events of the movie, or you, you see kind of this flashback element, um, kind of go on this hiking adventure to kind of reconnect and that sort of thing. And 
calamity ensues. Um, I did. Yeah. It's got kind of echoes of of the descent, which we've covered on here, or Blair Witch Project, which we've covered on here. And I even there's a little bit of bone tomahawk in it. So it's, it's, it's oh wow. You know, I, I wouldn't hear me. I don't know that I would categorize like you know. You listen to our bone tomahawk conversation. There's a heck of a lot of stuff we pulled out of there. It's a very substantive, rich movie. Sure, I'm not sure. going to say it's that level, but it's got some of those echoes and. Um, mm. In terms of just pure kind of scary entertainment, I will say this. I started it. I watched it in two sittings. I started it in the middle of the day, kind of on a sick day for myself, and was even kind of even watching it in the middle of the day. I was kind of tensed up and really and, and stressed oh, out. Oh, that's, that's exciting and then, to hear. And then if you had watched me watching it when I was re- finishing it later that evening, I... I don't do this often, but I was so kind of enthralled by what was going on. I was, I was leaned forward on the couch pretty much the entire time. Just like, wow. Cause it's, it reminds me a little bit in places of it follows as well. You know how you, with it mm. follows. And we talked about this, it follows kind of challenges you to watch the screen itself, like watch the image. Sure. Because sure. Something's going to be happening. There's a little bit of that going on in it. Anyway, um, the ritual it's, it's very good. Um, definitely awesome. worth, definitely worth your time. Um, not hyper gory by any means. Um, but just a nice character driven horror piece. Nice. No, that's a, that's really good. I'm excited to hear the reactions that it yeah, uh, elicited yeah. from you. So that, that makes me really eager to watch it. I might even try to watch it like tonight or tomorrow. So I have two, uh, very quick succession ones. One, I'm not going to need to talk very much about, the the first one, my my high recommendation, which I told you about, uh, I finally got around to seeing Happy Death Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh my goodness, I loved that yeah. movie. I loved that movie so much. Here's the thing: if people are looking for a horror movie like you know your experience with the Ritual, sure. where they're going to be engrossed and scared and tense, uh, this is not that movie. Okay, this is a sl- it's a slasher. Um, but honestly, it, it's just one of those lighthearted kind of macabre uh you know dark humor uh but it it's got a great premise it's got a great sense of uh propulsive pace to it It, it's just the kind i probably watched two-thirds of the movie with a big grin on my face it just made me very happy it's a great in you know it's it's hard to call the premise inventive because it essentially is Groundhog Day with a slasher. Like right, that, right. they even call it out in the movie. <laughs> like it is essentially Groundhog Day as a slasher. But I highly recommend it. Like if you're just looking for something that's kind of popcorn fun, uh, you know, you're looking for something a little bit in the horror genre, but not something that's going to be too gruesome or grotesque. I can't recommend uh, Happy Death Day enough. I, I loved it. Um, that's very cool. The did, second- you, did you go around afterwards just saying Happy Death Day to everybody? Uh, no, but there was one song in the film that got stuck in my head and I went around singing that to everybody. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so the second movie I want to mention, I'm, I'm going to try not to divert us from important black mirror conversation, but I just, I I have a small soapbox. Well, not, not even quite a soapbox, just something that I'm going to extrapolate a thought. I mean, our our soapbox is generally not kind of small. I mean, like, like, I don't know, I guess it depends like a bar of soap, like as a small box. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? Like when people say soapbox are well it's i know it's I think like it was, a throwback but yeah i think it's a throwback to old like debate days where people would stand on an actual right but i mean like to but contextualize the soap in question whose box we are standing uh, if, on if, if i like exert powder, energy like trying to figure, no it's no it's probably it's probably ivory 
I mean, I'm just. I'm I don't just mean what brand. Ivory, Ivory I don't or Dove. Mean the brand. You know, like, I just mean like physically. What are we talking about? Are we talking about like a crate, like a wooden crate, like I, a, like a milk crate? Yeah. More than anything, I just want this moment to end. So like. Well, when you talk about getting on your soapbox, I'm a very visual learner. And I'm just like trying to conjure this image of someone stepping <laughs> on a box. Cause I'm like, well, what size is the box? What type of box are we talking about here? I'm going to need oh, to look wow. this up. I'm on a Wikipedia getting on my soapbox and what the, do, I'm do come that, back. do that. I would say next week, but I'm not sure if that'll happen yeah. for next week's episode, but um, sure, sure. <laughs> go ahead, please continue. I've uh, forgotten what I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Climb, um, climb atop your soapbox and let us know. So, okay. So, uh, those who watched the Super Bowl. Saw a uh, right in the midst of the Super Bowl, uh, saw a trailer drop for a film called The Cloverfield Paradox. Mm, here we go. Um, so, okay, so he- here's the thing uh, fans of 10 Cloverfield Lane, which we covered, you know, on episode five of our show, uh, fans of 10 Cloverfield Lane were anxiously awaiting the release of this third Cloverfield film. Um, It was originally called The God Particle. Um, It was mostly known that God Particle had been a separate script not related to the Cloverfield universe that then they had retooled to make part of the Cloverfield universe. Well, God Particle was going to be released, and then the date got pushed back, I think, almost a year. And then uh, there was all kinds of talk about a troubled production, trouble with uh, Paramount not really knowing exactly how to market the film or how to promote the film. And so uh, the dates kept getting pushed back. There was a lot of discussion surrounding, okay, this film is probably not going to be very good because uh, it is apparently is troubled from the get-go. Well, then... Netflix had announced, I think back in January, that they were interested in acquiring it. So I don't know how many conversations took place in back rooms of executive offices, wherever. I just know it was made known to the public, as I'm aware, uh, it was made known to the public in January that Netflix was interested in acquiring the movie. But then a trailer drops in the Super Bowl, and Super Bowl ads are not cheap. We all know that. They're famous for being expensive and lavish and elaborate. And so a Super Bowl ad drops for Cloverfield Paradox. And it basically tells you, like, and after the game, you can watch it. Right. And sure enough, right. you go to you go to Netflix. It was the banner on the page and said, available after the game. And, like, it was crazy. And then sure enough, the game ends. And within minutes, movie is available for you to start streaming. And I will say this. I'm not going to go off on... There's, there's a lot of people who didn't like the film very much. Um, and I think the criticisms that are being hurled at it are mostly justified. I feel like the criticism is is leaning a little too harsh. Um, I have definitely seen films that were bigger train wrecks than The Cloverfield Paradox. I don't even consider The Cloverfield Paradox to be a train wreck. I do think it's poorly paced and it's got a weak script. But there are definitely redeeming things about it. It's got some some but, pretty decent performances. So, so no train wreck happens in it. No, that does, is that does not take. Does place. anyone no. get on a, a soapbox? Do not derail me. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so basically, uh, they were there are some strong performances, and there are uh, you know like there's some emotionally resonant episode uh, uh, moments. It's you know it, it's it's just an okay movie. That's it. It's just okay. I'm not saying it's great or whatever, but I did find the overall experience of Netflix dropping it to be great. Sure. Like sure. I genuinely thought that was great, and I remember I've been I've been mulling about this since the night it happened because on one hand. 
people would say like, yeah, Netflix just picked up this garbage movie, which I don't consider it garbage. That's their words. Uh, Netflix just picked up this garbage movie because it knew it could and uh, made a clever marketing scheme and got everybody to watch it. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Yes. Yes. Like, that's like, that's brilliant. Right. It would have. Yeah. I mean, and it worked. Yeah. Let's. It absolutely worked. And we're sitting here like, you know, people are decrying it because they're saying like, oh, Netflix picked up a bad thing. It was going to lose a ton of money. It would have been a bomb at the box office. Yes, it probably would have. Those are all true statements. And I'm just marveling at the boldness sure. and the the creativity to say, hey, let's let's try something different. In this, it was, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, 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 well, you go just, ahead. I was just going to say, because in this particular scenario and and you're you are much more generous to the film in our conversation than multiple sources i've read on it. i haven't like pursued sure you know but just generally speaking it is getting kind of sour sour grapes but regardless of the strength of the film netflix won because absolutely because people yes. are talking about it and you're watching the super bowl yeah. or those who do and that commercial comes on and you're wanting something to unwind with after the big game absolutely um yeah. and and there you go and and so it's i know almost you know, it's almost just wins all the way around for them because it almost didn't have to be good just because it's something to watch, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. And here's the thing. It's like, you know, somebody... Uh, we we want listener, things to be good, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know? Well, that's the thing. It would have been much more a stand-up and cheer moment had the film actually been sure, good. Sure, But I will say this. There, there are astute listeners out there who would absolutely tell me, like, hey, you're sitting here justifying this essentially at best mediocre movie at worst garbage movie you're you're justifying this and saying like hey this was a noteworthy achievement but i'm telling you man there was something about in this climate of you know knowing about films right, 20 right, right, months right. before they come out and and tracking reviews weeks before the film and all this kind of crap that you know that, that just is the climate we live right, in right, right now because the internet can get it before anybody else can so i will tell you this like a lot of times i feel a bit late to the party because you know like oh yeah everybody already had their war of the planet of the apes conversation and here i am talking about how amazing it is yes it's amazing everybody else figured that out when they saw it in the theater and all this other sort of stuff but this was a moment that was really uh just it was very exciting for me sure. to see like oh my gosh you know like my reaction not to be too silly but my reaction is like all right pop the popcorn heat the cheese dip because plans have changed like you, after the game i mean we're I, gonna be watching this i'm a know? little curious like do you dip your popcorn in cheese dip there I were was, chips involved with both I'm, yes so there were chips and cheese dip with the popcorn i, I just want to know something <laughs> Are you going? Are you going to ask? I just need to be ready. If you're going to ask me to extrapolate every verbal metaphor that I throw down on this episode, no, it's just you said pop the popcorn just, and heat the cheese dip, and I was like, well, where's, yeah, no. So where's we, the other we've got thing? a few under our belts at this point. We've got train wreck. We've got soapbox. We've got popcorn and cheese dip. Like this is. This is going to turn into a four-hour episode if you don't stop derailing every verbal metaphor and colloquialism that I throw out. That's funny. Um, That's funny. But but no, sincerely, I was like, you know, th like this is what we're doing tonight. And yes, a bunch of people watched it and it was all anybody could talk about for a few days. And, and you're right. Netflix won. Like and I think those kinds of yes, I can't say it enough. It would be more worth celebrating if the film were actually right, right, of a high right. quality. Regardless to the film's quality, I want studios and uh, mediums to make those kind of bold choices. Right. I well, want them to what, get brave. Because because I think, you know, what you are stating is we want the content to be great, sure. But the mechanism yes. is what made this special. 
you know, it's like, yes. and, and you and I have had conversations for months, if not longer, you know, being, being adults with jobs and families and children and, and limited theater going capacity. Like I would personally pay for a service that let me day and date movies at home. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. so, and so yeah. to know that we're kind of turning a bit of a corner here where, whether it's ultimately the ones that are considered the Oscar bait or whatever, you know, Cloverfield mm-hmm. Paradox won't be that. But the, the point stands like I want quality entertainment that isn't just thrown up on a lark, you know, and is is, right. is sort of primed to make the culture talk. And that's pretty cool. So, yeah, again, regard, regardless of the strength of the content in this particular instance, you know, they sure, they, they really sure. won the conversation. Absolutely. And you're sitting here, you, you gave uh, sort of the, the other side of the pendulum with the ritual, where it's like, right. no, I didn't know anything right. about the ritual. Right. Suddenly the ritual just drops down. And I'm like, this this is this is an exciting thing for film lovers, right. because there's so much jadedness going into so many things. Like, you've got a kind of a tilting, uh, like, let's be honest, like, uh, as we're recording this, I'm probably going to see Black Panther this weekend. I'm already primed to love it, right. because right. Right. I've, I've already know that most people do, and I already love all the people in there. It's like, so I'll watch out and I'll probably love it. Right. But I'm like, there's something very invigorating to me about, oh, no, just this thing drops and now I'm going to see it with very fresh eyes sure. and I'm going to yep. see it with yep. a very fresh mind. And and yeah, I just, I didn't realize how much I crave that until the Cloverfield Paradox dropped on, on Netflix. And I almost garnered more affection towards the movie because of the mechanism sure, with which it was delivered sure. to us than I would have had I gone and paid my money and seen it in the movie theater. Yeah, it's the film has problems. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't, but there's something really cool about what they did there. And, and, and what'll I be, just and I what'll like be, it. What will be fascinating to watch is when the, the strength of the content matches the event of the moment. That'll be oh, man. exciting, you know. And we'll get there. Yeah. We will yeah. absolutely yeah. get there. And and so it's just an exciting time to be a, to be a uh, Netflix subscriber and movie lover. So um so yeah, so on that's a, on the last note before we leave what you're watching, I did want to inform us that um it, the, the crate was originally used for shipment of soap or other dry goods from like a manufacturer to a retail store. So, you know, I imagine sure. kind of a crate, sure. a crate type of scenario. <laughs> So, so, so when do, when would they stand on it to make declarative statements about politics and life? Um, what do you mean? When would they stand on it? Well, if you're going to stand on a soapbox, like right. what's the purpose of standing on it? You know, do well, more research I gotta, before I, you throw me down. Well, I got to. Well, it, it actually says a raised platform on which one stands to make an impromptu speech, often about a political subject. So I don't know if you're in the ta- Ooh, if you're in but the. But didn't drop that. Well, no, because my concern was what was the physical box, not what was the purpose of standing oh. on it. I knew standing oh, on it meant you were now going to deliver some oratorical kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I imagine you're in the town, you're in the town square, and the soap has been delivered to the the goods store right next to you, and you're like, I want to talk, and you're like, Hey, there's a soapbox. I'm gonna grab it and stand <laughs> on it. <laughs> this has been another, this has been another episode you know. of What You Watching. What you reading on Wikipedia? What you listening to? And learning about. Learning about. All right. That was <laughs> wow. fun. So here we are at the <laughs> at the at the at the end of our journey. Uh this particular yes. this particular journey of three episodes or so. And Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Um, oh man! So you talk about the cho- the choosing of the episodes because we did do the survey, yes. but initially we had another one in the mix. 
Yes. So it's obviously our show is about the intersection between faith and the horror genre specifically. And I don't think anybody would deny that the most straightforward horror story in Black Mirror's catalog is Playtest from season three, uh, which we were definitely sort of initially primed to talk about. But I began to think uh, it might be kind of cool. And we bandied this about a little bit and, and, uh, you liked the idea as well. I was like, you know what? I picked our twilight zone episodes. You picked our X-Files episodes. Why don't we let our listeners pick our black mirror episodes? And so, um, we threw up a survey and we got responses back. Uh, and, uh, quite a few episodes got interesting votes. Um, and I will say that Playtest was tied for second with, uh, the one that eventually won out. So, uh, but we are going to be covering, uh, after we have a little bit of talk about the show in general, we're going to be covering, uh, specifically the episodes from season two, be right back, which was your runaway favorite for us to talk about. I was alarmed at uh, almost everybody who took the survey must have voted for be right back. So be right back. And, uh, we're going to be talking about nosedive, the premiere of season three. And for what, so for, those, what it, for what it's worth, unlike our conversation about it during Quarterly King two, I did not tamper with the voting process whatsoever. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> you can trust me here. I will say though, before we stray too far uh, away from playtest, um, that one can thematically easily be summed up in the simple sentence of "Call your mother." Yes, call your mother after the episode, like right now. Like, right. Yes. Right. I'm sure. In fact, pause the episode. I'm sure my mother would happily endorse me staying. Um, yeah. So, so I want to I want to start here, and this is it's truly. If this comes off like me calling you to the carpet, then Uh uh, then we will uh, edit it out. Uh, Talk about what episodes you have seen. So, as the more ignorant one between us, Nathan, that is not the you, point. Um, fill us in on how how little you've put in your brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I've seen. Uh, I think it's National Anthem. Is that the name of it? Um, yeah, the very first I've one. I've seen yeah. the one with uh, Get Out actor. The second one. Um, I've now yes. seen play fifteen test. million merits. I've seen playtest, be right back, nosedive, and I did watch uh, Hang the DJ. That's that's all I've seen. Oh, I love Hang the DJ so much. Uh, I thought that was a great episode. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, season four was largely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a straight up disappointment, but it didn't pack the punch that season three did for me. But um, but yeah, I, I thought Hang the DJ was a standout episode. Yeah, I, I mean, just rattling off because I don't know when we'll talk about the show again. I think. Most of the episodes are strong. I think even the weaker episodes still have something interesting to say and still have something interesting to offer, or they are reasonably well made. Right. Um, there are definitely standouts that are exemplary. I think the two we're talking about today are, are entries of those of that nature. I was really fond of the season four opener, USS Callister. Right. I loved it. I do know that's uh, a, a Trek riff. Yeah, probably because of the Star Trek references. I just really uh, had a lot of affection for it. I love Hang the DJ. Um, from season three, I mean, I do love Nosedive. I do love Playtest. Um, from season two, it was actually the Christmas special. I love the episode called White Christmas, Black Mirror White Christmas. It is very, very good, very strong. I've heard of uh, the bear, something the bear is really good. White bear, okay. yeah, white bear. And white bear is the, uh, apart from Playtest, is the... Uh, second 
uh, sort of more straightforward horror. White Bear is very horrific uh, in its imagery and in its concept. So, yeah, there, I mean, there's, well, see, there's what's quite it, a What's few. interesting about you categorizing those that way, because I, I know what you mean, and our, our, we're all discerning enough, and listeners will know what you mean when you say straight-up horror. But what's fascinating to me about this show, of the, of the meager amount, the pittance I have taken in of it, um, is... <laughs> is um, even the stuff that's not traditional, quote unquote, horror, I, I don't. I want us to to you know kind of walk into it. I'm I'm not trying to pull us directly into this, but sure. Nosedive, that is a horror show. Uh, I mean, yeah. it like it may not have monsters and 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 blood, but it is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Nosedive fills me with more anxiety than than any other Good single Black Mirror Lord. episode. I when I watch it, even when I rewatched it for this, it fills me with so much pent up anxiety. Like I, I just I feel so stressed watching that whole episode, and I think that speaks to something of the nature of how real it is. Like here's the thing. Uh, well, this is this is diving right into theme, but I'm not gonna. I, I can't guarantee I won't uh, forget Be this, you. so I'm just gonna Be throw you, this out. Um, Get on that box. We live we live in an age where the court of public opinion already sometimes determines people's futures. Sure, like period. So so people's approval rating, quote unquote, uh, sometimes already determines right. their right. their right. capacity to engage with the world. Um, yes. Don't be an idiot on the internet, but uh, I know for a fact that uh, places of business check social media platforms about uh, before they hire prospective sure. employees. They check to see what kind of uh, po- pictures they post, what kind of uh, things they throw up onto the internet, and how they address people and engage with people. and And that is very rapidly, if not already, becoming. Like your social media presence, your social platform, your social rating, if you will. We don't put a number to it right now, but (laughs) try us back tomorrow. And your social rating determines your capacity to navigate through certain elements of the world already. And where will that be in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? That's why Nosedive is such a powerful episode to me, because I think it says some really frightening and I think some really... um, I'm I'm reluctant to call them hopeful, but some very uh, cathartic things, right, particularly right. from Cherry Jones' character. We'll get, we'll get more into that, but there's also some very uh, some really hard truth telling going on in that episode as well. And so, yeah, I I love Nosedive. Nosedive uh, may be I think I usually recommend when people start the show. Yeah, I'll make the comment I was going to make about National Anthem. I said to multiple people that it's unfortunate National Anthem is the very first episode of season one because when you go into it, not that this happened to you, but when you go into it, it would be really easy for somebody to say like, ah, if this is what this show is going to be like, I don't think I want to finish the rest of it. Like, right, it's right. just going to be about, you know, like grotesque, disgusting things and et cetera, et cetera. So I think I, when I recommend it, the show to people, I always tell them to start with Nosedive. I say, watch Nosedive first. Because I think Nosedive is a really good representation of the whole technological right, sort of right, alt-world right. situation without the, although it is a very anxious episode, without the gruesomeness sure, of sure. National Anthem. Um, it's, funny, so, it's funny you say uh, that because yeah. I remember watching National Anthem, and this is how my brain works, watching media sometimes, like probably halfway through the episode or so, 
I started trying to, and this is probably two years ago now, so it was before it was quite the cultural sort of tentpole it is, or pop cultural. Um, so I'm watching National Anthem, I'm about halfway through it, and just thinking like, huh, I wonder why this show is called Black Mirror. And the moment when the this episode is not about National Anthem, but it, this feeds the conversation. The moment when the populace is is watching this video in National Anthem. Yeah. And it all... Initially, it's with sort of uh, sadistic kind of glee, right? Mm-hmm. And then it really turns sharply to more like, more like mass depression. Yes. Oh, and absolutely. I, and that, that was the moment I was like... Oh, this is why this is called Black Mirror. Is yeah, we're staring back at ourselves, and we all suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. and what's so chilling about National Anthem? I know we're talking about two other things, right? But, um, what's so chilling about National Anthem is is when that's revealed at the end, where they're like, uh, the princess was actually let go, like right, right, twenty minutes before he did the deed, but just nobody could stop watching. And I'm like, oh my god, right? Like that, yeah, right. that that is the train wreck of who we are, right? And and where we are right now. And I think, uh, like, this episode, it won't be. This episode could be, like, three hours long of just unpacking the ramifications of all of the things that Black Mirror does. It has these episodes that, that even we're not talking about have so much to say about, like, the idea of a digital self. You know, an episode that gets a lot of praise that initially I didn't like very much, but a, but a second viewing of it made me a lot more affectionate towards it, possibly because I, I, I went into it knowing where it was going, so I understood a bit more of some of the ins and outs of it. But San Junipero talking about, like, the, the sort of representing a digital self as a soul. Right. Like, you're, like your soul right, right, is right. your digital self. Well, I think, and, I think that yeah, I think that be right back definitely brushes up against that uh, those ideas. Um, that's true. That's true. And so, in the spirit of that, you feel like um, you know, yeah. Let's get into some specifics. Di- di- so dialing in. Um, so, d- do you want to summarize one of them, and I'll summarize the other? Uh, sure. I'll start with be right back because it do so features you know my favorite Brit, perhaps Haley Atwell. Um, and she really is great. I, I, I love what I wrote down as agent Carter and general Hux, you know, here we go. Um, (laughs) Disney, it all comes back to Disney. Um, see, they're, they're really running everything. We are, (laughs) we are, we are in their black mirror. Um, so be right back. It's just a stinking brilliant hour of television in, in a troubling way. Um, using this sort of online language as, uh, shorthand as the title of the episode, especially because of what happens in it. So her, yeah. she and her husband move in to this new house. I think it's a new house they've moved into, or it's his old house or something like that. Regardless, yeah. they're in a new space living together. And you learn a little bit about him in the opening few minutes. He leaves. It's I don't remember exactly what his his errand is. He leaves the house. He's dropping off a car. Yeah, he's like oh, dropping like a off rental a rental or something. or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like a rental van, like the truck to, to move. Yeah, moving truck, mm-hmm. and never comes back. And she starts freaking out. And eventually, you learn he has passed away in some tragic car accident that you're not privy to. Well, her is it like a cousin or just a peer? I couldn't tell if okay. it was a friend okay. or a cousin or something. I, I couldn't um, tell. A peer encounters her at the funeral of her husband, her late now late husband, and basically tips her off to this online service that will, in phases, as it reveals through the episode, utilize 
the individual's social media persona and interactions to generate effectively a digital consciousness. Um, mm -hmm. She initially is very turned off by this, um, but eventually kind of succumbs to the grief and starts to engage the process, which eventually leads to a, a simulacrum of the husband uh, showing up. Actually reminded me a little bit of Leftovers. I don't know if you remember the the bodies in season one they create. Oh yes, um, regardless. Yes. Um, so the 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 actor Domino Gleason shows back up in the episode as this sort of um, facsimile of himself, and just yeah. the sort of and initially there's this warmth she experiences in terms of that interaction that of course as I imagine much of Black Mirror does, turns very sideways, as you would naturally kind yeah. of expect a morality play about digital interaction to do. So it's sure. just this very powerful, you know, li like so many of the best conversations probably we have about the best media we cover. I mean, it's just dripping with thematic resonance all over the place. Yeah. And... I, you know, we, we can kind of go all the, all, all around here. I, I did want to introduce an interesting thought that is sort of a, a, uh, a sort of sideways angle on this conversation, because, you know, you watch some of these black mirrors, you take it in, you really start observing your digital interactions, you know, right. Um, in, in kind of a renewed, uh, way or, or a new way rather. And it's funny this is just a bit of a caveat that, that may fold back in at some point. I had this weird moment recently where I, I have a peer who we text pretty routinely. And I think I had texted them before bed one night and not gotten a response. It wasn't like some urgent thing. Well, the next morning they, I saw they had responded. Okay. And I just had this interesting moment that we're going to, some of these, some of this will lead into some of the thematic ideas here where I was like, you know what? We are such fools in our comings and goings with this new digital world we live in because the pretense of conversation is what I and this friend were operating under, right? You say a mm -hmm. thing, I'm going to say a thing in response. Right. But what literally happened is a sentence was typed into a thing that got beamed to a server at a certain right. moment in time by him. It mm -hmm. got held on that server, transmitted to my phone, and eight hours later, I wake up and I go and see it. And I respond as though it were just asked. And I just yes. had this weird revelatory moment of like, this is that. This is, yeah. I am interacting with my handheld phone as though in this moment, it's the persona of this friend. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. even though oh, yeah. this quote unquote message has been sitting here for eight hours while I've slept, mm -hmm. it is not, yeah. a, it is not a conversation. It is mm -hmm. information being transmitted, information being transmitted back at a certain point in time. Anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, that's sort of a preface and, and maybe some of the, some, maybe, maybe thoughts you have on that will come out as it relates to this episode, but in assessing be right back, that just really hit me one night of like, we are so duped by our technology. And, yeah. and, and you hit on this a minute ago, and I know you love when we do this. I mean, we can just j dive in. I mean, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, Let's, yeah, we'll get, to, we'll get to nosedive. Let's just go where the conversation takes us. Um, yeah. I, I reference her a lot. I will reference her in a concrete way again in a minute. But 
you know, Sherry Turkle talks so much in her writing about the, you, you said this a minute ago, the digital, the digital double, but also mm-hmm. the as if. And dude, I watched Be Right Back. And so listeners, if you haven't watched it, one, do watch it. It is well worth your time. It's, it's thoughtful. It's powerful. And it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. It's engaging at a few moments, humorous at many moments, terrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, as and heartbreaking, yes, yeah. as Haley Atwell's character, whose name I don't have in front of me, as she gets more further down the path of engaging this digital representation of her husband, she begins treating it as though it is him. Ultimately, again, so the, uh, something happens in the plot where this consciousness who is speaking with the actor's voice, uh, think Jarvis in the Avengers movies. Um, yeah. eventually says to her, well, I can, I, I can be present in physical form to you. Yeah. What, he says what? there's another level to this. Okay. Yes. So to speak. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I couldn't remember the exact, the exact phrasing, you know, and, and as just good storytelling, of course, she's at first a little unsure, but then eventually does it. So there's this moment in order to get to that next phase or the next level, she has to upload video of him Mm. and read like there's, so there's a moment listener in the episode where you watch video scrawling, perhaps fast. I can't remember. Maybe it's at standard speed, whatever, but you, you just know that the, the program is, is eating it up, you know, is gobbling up this person's affectations, their mannerisms. When that scene was happening on screen, my heart was in my feet I was like, this mm-hmm. is terrible. Yeah. And, and it's so wild. I re- I'm really not meaning to dominate the conversation, so please. Uh, no, uh, you're, you're, you're fine. So I, I stumbled on a Turkle interview just recently, and I want to share a brief note about it because it plays in perfectly here. She, she had, <coughs> excuse me. She was featured on this podcast. You can look it up. Just Google Burning Man and Sherry Turkle, and you can find the article in the podcast. Where and, and the name of it is How to Practice Being Human. Oh, my gosh. Right. And her whole thing is the better our technology gets, the worse we're becoming at being human. Mm. And this article just kind of nutshells some of the... Um, uh, or thumbnails, uh, some of the bullet points from her thing. She says, practice having conversations with other human beings. Listen to that, Reed Lackey. Practice having conversations with other human beings. Oh my gosh. And she doesn't, int- she intends this as like, hey guys, we're, we're going off the rails a bit here. Here are some things that are meant to try to right the ship. And she says, so practice having conversations with other human beings. Embrace the imperfections of everyday life rather than trying to make everything seamless. There's this amazing moment in the Be Right Back episode where a mole exists. Or no, she indicates there was a mole on him when, when this simulation no longer has it. Yes. Right? Oh. And, he's, yeah. and, and she says, like, oh, he had a mole there. And, he's, and effectively, he's like, oh, well, hold on. And it just appears. Yeah. Embrace the imperfections of everyday life. The next bullet on Turkle's list is practice showing vulnerability to other people. This is a, mm. this is a great one, and I'll, I'll leave it here and we can come back to the episode. 
Cultivate non-transactional relationships where you expect nothing from the people you want in your life. Mm. And I, I don't know, man, like this episode is so, both of these as, as a pair are just haunting. And I'm sure there are a bunch of other episodes that are similar in tone and vibe, but taken as a, a, a representation of this show, I don't know. The, the, the black mirror as a concept is so at work. You know, we are staring back at who and where we are and what yeah. and where we are going. And it's, it's not altogether well <laughs> or good. No, no. And yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't even quite know in the moment uh, what is bouncing around in my heart, but I found myself misting up quite a bit with almost sure. every bullet point from Turkle's article that you read because I can recall, like, I had lunch today uh, with a dear friend uh, who he, like... We sat there for probably an hour and just, you know, no phones, just sitting there catch, catching up on life, talking about different things. And you know me, good Lord. Uh, I uh, People are around me for any period of time, like, I can't help but talk. Like, you know, I get teased about it, I get joked about it or whatever, I can't help but talk. But I think I've said to you before, now this is what's ironic, when you and I were in the same space in North Carolina, I was, I kind of mentioned to you, I was like, we love watching movies and we love watching movies together, but we have such little time. Like I just, I want to just talk with you. Right. Right. You know? So, so admittedly we like, we took the Nintendo switch to a bar and just <laughs> sat there and played, and played uh, video games and stuff. But you know, but even, even with that kind of thing, like there is this craving in me for, for contact, for, for embodiment. I was thinking about now, I cannot remember. Have you seen the San Junipero episode? No, no, uh, Okay. Do you know anything about it? No. No, I don't. Okay. I will say this without spoiling a particular of the plot. There is an element to it that when a person dies, their digital version can go to a paradise of sorts. So that's an an element to it. That doesn't, you know, unpack the whole plot for you. But um, there is an element to that. I thought one morning while getting ready and my head was just sort of bouncing around with this black mirror stuff, what would I do? If I was given a choice, let's fast forward 60 years in the future, and this is a reality, and you have a choice that your consciousness can go to some otherworldly place, what would it decide? Because there's a decision on the table in the episode of, do you just let yourself go into whatever's waiting? Right. Or do you want to ensure that your conscious self will thrive on in this digital world? And I had this moment, I don't know what, but I had this moment where I started to get emotional, and I, and I started to say, like, I think I just want whatever my king has for me. Sure, sure. Like I don't, I don't know that I want to go. Right, do right, any, right, right. I think I think I just want whatever he has for me. If that's oblivion, that's oblivion. If if people, if I'm wrong about there even being a king out there to our non-believing listeners, whatever. But I, th- but I think, I think I just want whatever he has for me. Right, whatever right, that, whatever right. that is, and whatever that looks like. I just, I just want that. And so I start to get really emotional when I think about these kinds of things. You know, I, I think about the the people that we've lost or the people that we uh, eminently fear losing as they age or as we age. And, you know, these kinds of things uh, just get at you and they make you, they can do one of two things and, and be right back specifically. They can make you just just crave and long to have that person or, or some version of that person. This, this blows my mind. There was a 
brief limited series that Morgan Freeman narrated and I think largely produced and put together the interviews and stuff like that called The Story of God. It aired on, I think, National Geographic Channel. Uh, but my wife and I watched it. And uh, I will say that I, I'll, I'll give a soft recommendation to it. It's very interesting. He engages with a lot of different cultures, Christians, Jews, Hindus, um, crosses uh, into as many places as I can think of culturally to investigate this story of God, as it were. Um, beliefs about afterlife, beliefs about apocalypse, beliefs about creation, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in one of them about the afterlife, um, he visited someplace, and I did not do my research because I wasn't fully expecting to talk about it. It's just coming up now. Um, that he visits a place where this couple, this lesbian couple, has uh, the 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 one of them has been diagnosed with a terminal cancer of sorts. They are independently wealthy. They have done this. They have done be right back. There is an android with oh, a learning gosh. computer right. in it. She, the 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 sick one of them. Right filled out somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 personality profiles of different types, different variations that they then fed into this computer. Um, She spends time recounting memories that she has shared with, you know, with her partner. And, and so the, yeah, the, the plan and intent is that when she goes, her loved one will then have a, a surrogate here with it. And, and the whole thing is like, to be honest with you, Nathan, sitting in this moment, I don't know how I feel about it because some might find that beautiful. I find it haunting. But you know what? Some might find... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's funny. It's funny. We we may eventually get a nosedive, but um, what's fascinating, I I would have thought a conversation about Be Right Back would have been about the digital double, but I'm wondering if it's more about the individual's wholeness and capacity to to comprehend grief. So what's coming... I think so. What's coming to me is, and I'll attempt to tell this um i I don't have like destination uh radio you know like like um destination tv what is appointment tv is what i'm thinking of like appointment radio i I will just occasionally if i'm in the car if i'm not listening to our podcasts which are glorious and enriching and thoughtful (laughs) and humorous and funny and witty and all these other great things um we're humble too right right um you might be um uh so (laughs) um i i do turn on npr sometimes and i think this was god i can't even remember what the program was but it was they were telling this story about it was it was a, 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 a personal a, um, human interest story um, about this Japanese man in the wake of the tsunami of a number of years ago, and and this is going to seem super random, but I'm going to try to tie this in. So this man had lost maybe his wife in the tsunami, and he lived on this cliffside you know his house was kind of near this cliffside and they paint this really beautiful picture of what it looks like on from his home Mm -hmm. and he was so racked with grief over the loss of this wife and japanese culture is so which is fascinating right now to think to in light of about to say this because the japanese are so technologically driven japanese as a culture are so emotionally stunted are so Mm. A stunt is a wrong word. That sounds pejorative in a in a judgmental way. They they aren't expressive emotionally. They they oh, okay. po- polite okay. politeness rules the day. You to okay, to sure. express and in fact I think they tied it into a sort of religious facet of it. Like to express 
concern and grief is to somehow betray the spirit of the person you've lost. Something okay. like something to that effect. So they, they provide yeah. some context there. Well, this man was so racked with grief that Reed, he, he, he bought and installed in the back of his yard a payphone that he mm. would go out and close the door and talk to this loved one. Mm. And it became this destination spot. People started hearing about this payphone, which of course had nothing on the other end of it. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they talk about, you can hear the wind from the ocean on mm. this cliffside, and about these families that began traveling to this payphone who had lost loved ones and the, wow. the catharsis and the emotional healing that was able to happen from these, from like, uh, there was like a 15 year old boy, um, who traveled to it by himself with a backpack mm-hmm. whose father had been lost in the tsunami. Mm-hmm. And he, and the, the homeowner gave NPR permission to record some of this stuff and people knew they were. Well, in that moment, the boy just is, is trying to open up and he's having a hard time. A week or two later, he comes back with his whole family. And all of them oh, process man. through this payphone experience and are just grieving and weeping. And so it's so wow. fascinating to me. I, I, I'm going to try to tie this in here. Like, what is scary about the couple you described? What is scary about, as the end of the episode indicates, about the events of Be Right Back is it isn't that person. Yeah. And, and, you, yeah. and you abort the healing that your soul needs by uh, this sounds like a strong phrase by false resurrection. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yes, her yeah. character in that needs healing and needs to move forward yes. and gets, and, and what's scary and why that episode is such a cautionary tale is exact, exactly exemplified by the story you told of the Freeman produced show. Like, we are going to be doing that to each other and ourselves. Yeah. Hey, Reed, when so-and-so passes away, just it's going to be tough, but it doesn't have to be too tough because here, here's how you can sort yeah. of regain this thing. And, and, and our, it's funny, I think of Derek Webb, who's a little bit of a controversial figure these days, but a number of years ago, he would talk, he, he was really fascinated with the, technolo- the, the movement we were making in technology. And he said, the problem isn't right now. The problem is 10 years from now. The problem is 15 years from now when we are not going to know how to say no in, yeah. anymore. Because the problem is... get addicted. Right. The problem isn't yet the phone in your pocket, although it's becoming that. It's the phone in, un, under your skin. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the invasive. It's the we are no longer... Because it's fascinating because as you were telling that story about that couple, somehow my mind, and, and you know we are prone to these things... Somehow my mind conjured this, see, I'm a visual person. My mind conjured this movement in the church at a, at a moment in time where we are able to transport our digital selves and move forward into some new whatever, being able to say, well, maybe that's actually what the scriptures are referring to all the time. Oh, yeah, right. I mean, I really? Hear that like, that's happening. very, yeah. that is very possible. And, you, and it is yeah. not hard to imagine that world. And what will it be like? When you, hopefully, and I, hopefully, and, and those who want to count themselves among God's people have to f- force ourselves to say, 
I just don't think that is the way. Right. Right. Because the resistance will be so right. It, 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 it'll be so hard. It'll be so difficult. And, and when we're talking about dealing with this, I'm talking about like like uh, we if, if we were to medicate our, our pain, if we right. were to medicate our grief, if we were to instead of. And I, I don't even, this thought is not even formed. I am, I apologize, listeners. I am getting very <laughs> emotional. You probably cannot hear it in my voice yet, but. He's, um, he's like a baby over here. I, just, I'm, I'm kidding, oh my I'm God. Kidding. So like it, the, the thing that I keep thinking is like, we, we so badly want to medicate the, 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 the pain that we feel um, instead of sharing it, right, instead right, of right. bringing it into community. And I will say this, um, I want to be very careful here because, uh, like, I am a big believer. This is a side tangent, but I'm a big believer, uh, it, like, in um, uh, if you suffer from depression, uh, I'm not an opponent of taking something sure. to help you yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. your depression. Yeah. I'm not talking about medication in that sort of sense, but I am talking about there is a way in which we try to pretend that the pain does not exist because we can zone it out. We right, can tune right, it out. We right. can, we can mute shield it. it. Right. Yeah. Mute it. Mute it is perfect. Like I'm just going to turn this off. There's an episode in season four called Archangel that is very much about like muting negativity and from a mother to her daughter, right. like I'm right. going to implant something that's going to she'll never see anything scary or painful or, or, or you know, uh, adult or mature or anything like that. It's terrifying. But I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about and I don't know why this is coming so, so strongly to me at this moment. But I'm thinking about uh, when my grandfather passed away, my grandfather passed away from Parkinson's and when he died. Um, one of the things that he said, I was not in the room. Uh, I did not get to be there uh, when he died. I was on the other side of the country. But um, I, I heard reports of one of the thing, one of the last things he said to my grandmother. And he talked with her for an extended period of time alone. So that was just for the two of them. And uh, then he asked her at some point if she was going to be okay. And she told him, yeah, that she would be okay. And he said, then I think I'm going to have to leave you for a little bit, doll. And it was that specific, like for a little bit, right, right, right. That 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 um, that gripped me because we do. I mean, I, I don't even recall where the scripture is found, but we don't mourn like those who have no hope. Sure, you know, sure, like sure. like there's like we don't. We should not be as much as we are afraid of that pain right, of loss, right, afraid right, of that. Right. I, I I know it's painful. I know it hurts like hell. I know I'm not minimizing any of right, that. Right, right. But but there is supposed to be an infusion of hope that we carry with us, not that it will stop hurting one day, not that it right. will just get better, but A, that we have a king and a lord who understands and weeps with us. Right, right. Um, and then at the same time that we have one who, who can restore, who, who, can, who has already defeated this in a capacity that we have not yet, to use black mirror language, downloaded into our right, spirits right. that to, to understand that it is over. There's an old song uh, called uh, far side banks of Jordan that I love. And the chorus refrain uh, it's talking about heaven and it's from the perspective of somebody who is about to die to someone who is going to miss them. And the lyric says, um, uh, I'll be waiting on the far side banks of Jordan. I'll be sitting, drawing pictures in the sand. And when I see you running, 
I'll rise up with a shout and come wading through the shallow waters, reaching for your hand. Sure. Um, you know, w there is a cloud of witnesses that has gone before that testify to the, the, the hope that we have before us. But today we live in an age that tells you, and I think very specifically a country, um, although this is a global phenomenon, but we live in an age that tells you, you don't have to wait for your food. You don't have to right, wait for your, right, you know, right. I, you know, and it's so funny because I'm sitting here talking about the joys of Cloverfield Paradox and what you're watching, reading, listening to. But I do think there is um, something that we have lost about this this level of, of contact and this level of time that we've lost a sense of it because we've filled it and killed it and and muted it and we've done all these things and so we no longer know and i think to a large degree have lost the capacity to share grief with each other to right, share right. look at the look at the political landscape and how people can't even share ideas right. together anymore well you, how, you i'm gonna, I'm gonna interject go real quick which is gonna just gonna feed you more here um like like a gremlin um <clears throat> is, <laughs> is you may, you reference the scripture we do not mourn like those who have no hope what is what is scariest of all is the moment that will come when someone will will say and possibly of uh, faith intention say we do not even have to mourn Oh my gosh. You don't yes. have to mourn, Reed. You yes. don't have to mourn because here's here's how it's going to work. And you're going to be with them and they're going to be with you and it's just it's like you're not even going to miss a beat. And that's the mm. moment where as as <laughs> holy cow, as as believers, we would have to say, "Well, no. Mourning is right and mourning is whole yes. and mourning is appropriate and mourning is human." And mm -hmm. and and it, you know, you, it's funny you invoked apes a minute ago, Planet of the Apes. Like, what's fascinating about that third apes movie, and maybe about the trilogy as a whole, is by the end of that movie, the apes are more human in yes. spirit than the the biological humans of the Earth. And Absolutely. that's yeah. that is the moment we are sort of steamrolling towards when mm -hmm. when we are so um, um, shackled to our digital nests. And shack, you know, or unshackled to those who are physical, where right. our, our humanness is sort of fleeting and dissipating. Um, sure. Anyway, I, I don't know. It just really struck me that this notion of, you know, mourning like those who have no hope, even less than that, why mourn, you know, and, and what, a, right. what a frightful sort of scenario that is because and and you know we will get to nosedive in like two minutes what's like, funny what's funny is i actually thought nosedive is going to be the the heavier one but I, i'm not really sure that that's <laughs> going to be the case now <laughs> no but honestly like jesus said blessed are those who mourn right and if right. we take if right. we take the text where it is it's it's because you cannot experience comfort if you don't experience the grief you cannot know the joys of comfort if you have not felt the pain of grief. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I do think that there's a way you could read that scripture and say, well, no, that just means that, they, that there is hope waiting on the other side of their pain. But I think a, com like, a comfort that is born of, oh, well, that didn't really hurt that bad. Right, right. Well, well, then, well then what degree of comfort are you experiencing versus the longings that we all feel to be known, to be loved, to be heard, to be seen, to all these things, to when it finally breaks through. And when you finally are known and loved and seen and heard, like the, the, the catharsis that happens, all of the, you know, I never realized what I was missing right. comes flooding in. And you do not get that 
in digital form. Right. Like that, that, well, that, uh, it's the uncanny valley. I will say this. I will make this sort of bumper sticker statement. They talk about the uncanny valley, how right, you can right, see right, right. That, that, that there's no sort of life there. Right, right. The uncanny valley exists on a soul level sure, for you sure, in your sure, digital sure. social media interactions. Right. There is an uncanny valley there that you're not recognizing. This is not real. This but, is not but substantial. The more, but the more we mute our own humanness, the less capable we are of detecting that soulless uncanny yes. valley in a simulation. You know, right. and it's funny, you, you've, you've invoked the country and you talked about being comforted and the Sermon on the Mount. I think what's scary is we are so... We are such pursuers of being comfortable that we do not, we don't know what it's like to be comforted. We don't, right. we don't, because, because if we're comfortable, why would we ever, why would we ever not want to be comfortable? And to not be comfortable means to feel pain, to feel sadness, to feel grief, to feel alone, to, you know, stub our toe. Well, mm-hmm. all of those things merit being comforted. And, yeah. you know, once, once all we are living in is comfort, we don't need anything or anyone. And, and to be comforted sure. invokes the notion that there is someone acting on our behalf and acting towards us who will comfort us. Yes. Um, goodness gracious. Oh, man. Black Mirror. <laughs> um, well, do we I, do, I do, do want... One? Can we just wait to extend uh, I know, this No, I know. <laughs> I know. I know, right? Uh, this You could... Man, you could unpack so much about this. But I think without, without jarring too far afield, and hopefully to keep this part of the conversation relatively brief, I'll summarize Nosedive. Like, Nosedive is about um, a young lady who, in a world uh, not completely unlike our own, uh, your capacity to navigate the world around you, both your jobs, your finances, uh, just day-to-day interactions, um, are dependent upon your social rating. You are rated on a scale of one to five. Uh, The person around you can rate you, can rate their encounter with you. They can give you five stars. They can give you three stars. They can give you one star. And depending on their rating, the rating they gave you has power. So somebody with a very high rating who rates you one star, that's going to ding you down much higher than somebody who has a one star you know, giving you five is going to boost you up. You know, that's that's kind of all this this matrix, how this works. Uh, one person uh, in the episode has like a bad breakup and the whole office ostracizes him. His rating goes so low he can't even get into the building. The door will not open for him because he's a three point two. And then they talk about how at the airport you have to to join part of their club. You have to be a four point two or higher. Our character is four point one eight. So she so she can't. And it's it's just it's just anxiety riddled with how what she's trying to do, she's trying to get this apartment. If she can get this apartment and afford this apartment, then she uh, she has to be at a certain rating to be able to do that. Then she gets a an opportunity to visit an old school friend's wedding and be her maid right of honor. honor. Yeah. And by being the maid of honor and delivering a speech with a whole bunch of people there who are like four fives, four sixes, four sevens, she's going to get a ton of votes if she wins there. So she goes on this journey to try to get there. And as you can imagine, the episode is called Nosedive. As you can imagine, uh, the journey does not go very easily for her. And she very quickly succumbs to this sort of spiraling uh, low social media rating. Well, then 
uh, there's a character that's introduced named, uh, and I forget the character's name, but it's played by Cherry Jones, who's wonderful so and amazing. Um, and Cherry Jones is uh, basically, she's like a 1.2 or something. She's a truck driver. And she says what she thinks, and she says what she feels, and she doesn't care about the social rating anymore. She just does what she can do. And uh, so she gives... Uh, kind of a hearty talking to to our main character about the futility of this social rating system. And when she does that, uh, the, I won't spoil the utter ending of the episode, but uh, but I, I, I was left feeling that there is a sort of a power to just, hey, I'm not going to let what other people rate me objectively dictate how I'm going to navigate the world. I'm not going to let uh, my presence on social media or the damage, the PR damage. I'm basically not going to let public relations run my life. I'm going to say what right, I think, right. say what I feel uh, and, and, and just be who I really am. And, uh, and it is again, an anxiety riddled episode, but I think has a lot to say about how we, you know, we were talking about and be right back about like your digital self. Right. Well, popularity contests now are almost entirely based on social media presence. Right. You know, like IMDB for celebrities has like a, oh, they went down six points this week. Oh, they're a rising star. They went up 46 points this week right. in certain searches or whatever. And, uh, Uber drivers. I've never taken an Uber. I don't know anything about Uber, except that I have heard that you can rate the Uber driver and the Uber ri- driver can rate you as a passenger. So they can rate you one to five stars. And then uh, if you get rated a whole bunch of ones, that's going to make it very difficult for you to get a ride with Uber. Well, <laughs> with one of its Uber drivers. what's interesting, uh, uh, an important distinction in the episode is, and they don't, they don't contextualize this of, of who, you know, enters this system or whatever. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard's character has a contact lens of sorts because this is what's interesting about that episode is it takes where we more or less almost are and just sort of turns the dial just enough to, to, yeah. to recontextualize kind of how we behave in that system. So this contact lens permits her to, from her eyeballs, from her optic nerve, visualize, oh, I'm looking at Reed Lackey right now and his sort of Q rating or whatever they call it is visual mm-hmm. is visible to me and so it makes right. it makes what already sort of exists in certain platforms and you know versions on our ways of doing internet right now and makes it in the real as well so now i can yeah while looking at you if you're part of this system which pretty much anyone who wants to be anything anything yeah. is i can immediately ascertain okay what is your rating um right i will say of this episode like I'm and I, I've tried to mull like why did it have this profound an effect on me? I texted you this. The first watching the first ten minutes of Nosedive, I wanted to cry. Like yeah. it so rattled me. And I think mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's because the episode itself, the sort of production quality of it is very idyllic it's very truman show it's very like mm-hmm. it's this lovely it's lo- really bright colors and and you know really lovely music and very kind of almost 50s ish kind of 50s ish postmodern art nouveau i mean it's like it's this kind of mashup yeah, yeah. but it's very bright and it's very warm and the music is really nice and airy but what is actually transpiring is a nightmare and like you, yeah. you, you meld those two vibes together and it created such 
an unsettled spirit in me. Like Mm -hmm. I watched the ritual, which is about insanity that happened, befalls a, 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 a group of dudes in the woods. Like it's scary. This was terrifying. Like I wanted to yeah, pull my yeah. hair out. I was so mm-hmm. anxious by what was going on. Um, yeah. Man, it's rough. <laughs> I mean, it's and great. I, it's great, I, but sure, goodness. it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely, and highly recommended. But I, but I think I, I don't know, man. I I think part of it is because of how close we are to right. It. Like sure. Like I mean, much as much as we talk about, I don't believe in. Uh, that there's big scary humanoid monsters living in the catacombs of the deep maybe there are i don't know but you know like it's like i don't think those are necessarily very rational fears i think the fears that nosedive points at in 2018 are frighteningly rational terrifyingly rational you and i have talked about um the way certain pr nightmares happen or the way certain things go down in the court of public opinion and i told you i I don't think this was on pod i think this was just in one of our conversations but i said the 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 fear that i have of the court of public opinion is that it's not just it's it has no quality of mercy right it it does not take all facts into consideration it it leads with a verdict it leads with a i'm gonna uh you know i'm gonna make this judgment i'm gonna cast this judgment on you and that's gonna be it any information to the contrary does not flavor the judgment does not do anything different and what cherry jones's character says you know she tried everything she could to you know get medical assistance for her husband with all of the you know the high level or whatever and ultimately her husband needed a medical operation a basic medical miracle and uh so then they wound up giving the the procedure or the organ or whatever it needed that her husband needed to somebody who had a slightly higher rating than her. Well, it was like and, it was, it was like it was literally like a decimal point. It was he yes. he was yes. like a four point two, and the person who received it was like a four point three. Exactly. Yeah. And then so at that point, she was basically like, "All right, f the system. Right. Like, right. Like like this is stupid. Forget it." And so she just begins to sort of demolish the whole thing down. And I will tell you, kind of harkening back to uh, a, a few minutes ago with "Be Right Back," she, Cherry Jones's character, the moment she's on screen, she is the most real in the right, entire episode. Right, right, right. She she is the human being. She's the one in right, that moment. She's right. got a one point two, but she is. The human being in that episode and everybody else you well, know, has just this perfect, persona of it you know you you pointed that this out to me so i'll give you credit um our our, our one of our favorite Shyamalan's, the village you've got bryce Dallas howard and terry jones in a scene together so uh, ign- yes but even ignoring that what a wonderful bit of casting cherry jones is just a treasure oh. she is so amazing and just infuses and and she's almost two-thirds of the way through the episode like, I mean, it's yeah, late. She comes in very late. And it only has yeah. like a five minute kind of, you know, bit there. But but the second she enters the scene, you're like, oh, I love you. This, oh, and no. I want you to be my grandmother or my mom. or <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read uh, uh, guideposts in your bathroom. Um, <laughs> you Let's know not lead with that. Let's lead with something else. But yes. She'd probably be like, well, go right ahead, honey. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. This is really random. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not prone to this, but literally two pieces of, of journalism have, have arrested me lately, and they both tie into these. So one was the Turkle interview on burning man the other one is a new york times piece called the follower factory and and when these air i'm happy Mm. to throw them up on the website but this article highlights a real life version though it doesn't directly draw parallels to nosedive in the piece of what's happening here and the whole the whole article is about how 
it, they actually call it the black market of social media and how mm -hmm. celebrities and athletes, they list, they name certain people. See, I'm going to name him. I'm, I can't remember other people, so I won't name the one person we would know because, you know, I actually like him. But the article starts referencing this teenage girl and how she's just this normal kid and she's got her Facebook and her whatever and how her profile picture is associated with this dummy Twitter account out there. And so mm -hmm. she started getting weird pings from this Twitter account. So it leads to this sort of uncovering of how there is this black market of you. There's a, there's a company that sells Twitter followers that are purely just bots. And so it, it highlights all mm -hmm. these celebrities and athletes and personalities. I, I guarantee our president's one of them uh, uh. <laughs> and how you can purchase for like pennies on the dollar in volume Twitter followers. And it is oh, literally no. all about upping that. Like when the consultant in um, Nosedive says, I've got it written down here. Oh, well, not the consultant, but when, when she's trying to get the apartment and the con yeah. concierge says, we have the prime influencers discount. I don't know if you know this. Influencers is a common vernacular in this type of world that's happening right now in the, oh in the literal, God. like an influencer, a person you, if you buy 40,000 Twitter followers that puts you in, if you're in the in, uh, same industry as someone else who has 5,000, you are now the influencer. You are considered the right. thought, the thought leader, the person we're going to look to, and we're going to get, give you endorsements. Like this is what it all is. You're oh, a, a friend of mine whom you met recently, Paula Schmidt, shout out Paula posted recently how she's an actor in LA how she went to an audition and was asked about her number of Twitter followers. Oh, yeah. No. That, that was an indicator of like, okay, are you going to be able to help traffic whatever this media is we're considering casting you for? Oh my gosh. Right. And that, and, and that to me, just, just the thing that just, that just blows my mind is, is how much the number of people that you can influence or that can you can get to follow you like the idea behind that is it literally makes people a number so like oh you have 40,000 so you're you know an influencer like it, it turns people into the number of people that they have attached right, to them right and that number is is literally a, a, a lie like right. a fabrication. it's not actual people right right no it's not actual and, persons and it just it just blows my mind because like that that level it, what it tells me is it tells me that actual influence does not matter as much as the illusion of influence that the, oh, the yes. illusion of well that that's it that's everything right yes the illusion you know yeah i mean look and, at look and, at that episode I, i'm sincerely not trying to just no 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 completely cut you off yeah, but, go but ahead. this whole episode is about the illusion and i love the brother character you know oh like, he's great and yeah. and the fight they get into and I'll tell you, one of the scariest scenes I've seen in any media lately is uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in the mirror, making the faces. Mm. It is all yes. about performance. There is nothing yes. real to this world or these people. And it's really kind of this lovely, broken fairy tale. Like, mm. her capacity, and it's interesting, because I want to, this is going to seem like a random aside here, but... Any listener for a couple of episodes knows I'm not like an uber fan of our, our president, but I, but he gets but he gets lauded for saying it like it is, or he just says what he thinks. And so I almost I almost wrestled with the end of this episode because I'm like, well, and I, again, I, I really am not meaning to like psychoanalyze our president, so that so we can kind of ignore that. But I 
I wrestled because I was like, well, I don't know that the episode is trying to say, we'll just say whatever the hell you want. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't think it's trying to necessarily encourage you to trample others feelings or, you know, have and express and convey and broadcast, uh, unhealthy thought patterns and attitudes. You know what I mean? Even though they may be sure. Sure. Quote unquote real or real talk Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, so it was just kind of a fascinating place where the episode leaves you. Um, well, and I do think if it doesn't work too well there. <laughs> but. No, 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 I'm not. Because I think it's I think it's an important distinction for those. I mean, we're going to spoil it if you haven't seen the episode already. The the uh, basically nosedive ends with her making a tremendous scene at yeah. the wedding that she was going to uh, because she was uninvited. She was disinvited. And uh, so basically she barges in, breaks in, makes a huge scene, gets arrested for it. And the episode ends with the, which this is a random moment, but I thought of it at this, or a random insert, but uh, it was written by Michael Schur. Uh, yeah. and Rashida Jones. Parks yeah, and Rec. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good place. Parks and Rec. Uh, the Good Place. I love The Good That's Place. Awesome. Uh, and and Rashida Jones is wonderful. I've, uh, like, uh, I'm starting to get to the point to where when I see her name on credits and stuff, I start to pay attention because she's, she's really great. Um, but... So so it ends with her in a prison cell looking across at another person who is there for some unknown infraction, and they begin to hurl profane insults at each other right but but with with a kind of uh, a gleeful abandon right, right like they right. just they're just hurling them at each other uh just to kind of one-up each other as a kind of a game and 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 it is this notion of i i do think uh for for all that i would i, I, I you are going to be shocked and i hope that this does not end the fear of god <laughs> <laughs> um one thing that i think people responded to with our current president is they were sick and tired of having to tap dance around how they felt. Sure. I do think there was a validity for now. And I'm not making a judgment call on whether or not that's the right call. Right. Right. But there, but there was a fever pitch of, I can't even use this word, this word or this word because somebody's going to get mad at me. Right. 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 And I do think there was a very strong appeal to, I do not care one lick whether or not you like the things coming out of my mouth right this is how it is and we can talk all we want to about balance and nuance i do think that we were looking at two ends of the spectrum both of which i think in terms of this conversation about rhetoric and truth speaking both of which were off balance like when it gets to a point to where um steve martin can't even compliment Carrie Fisher's looks without a bunch of people like telling him he's insulted her by complimenting her looks after she passes. That's ridiculous. That's ludicrous. And so when it gets to that fever pitch, yeah, you get the other side of the spectrum where he's dropping all kinds of, of profane bombs from a public platform and saying all kinds of things about people group. And, and, and then, yeah, that is the, that is the natural equal and opposite reaction to what, what had come before. And no, I don't think that the episode is is justifying that behavior. I don't get from the from the end of the episode. I don't get that it's like a happy ending. Right, I don't get right. that it's like. But I do think Cherry Jones is meant to be our anchor sure. for oh, yeah. how to be, which is I'm not going to play your system game. 
Like right, that doesn't right, mean right. you know, like because she doesn't do even when uh, Bryce Dallas Howard insults her. Like right. I, oh god, I love this moment when Bryce Dallas Howard says like, "No, you just got disappointed by this, and so you you lost you lost control of the system, and I'm not going to do that." So she basically puts down Cherry Jones, like just sort of casts her down. And Cherry Jones, in this very sort of honest way, is just like, "Don't worry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rate you down. Right, like I'm not, right, right, you know, right. because she doesn't play the game and she doesn't need to. You know, it's one of those things where she's just like, I'm not, yeah, no, it's you were saying what you what you thought, and I was saying what I thought, and I love, I just love so much that then at the end she was like, I put a little something in your bag for you. It's an escape hatch, and we we find out later it's a it's a thermos of whiskey. Sure, but I'm just like. This is this is killer. Just this this person is so fully realized as a person because they have utterly disconnected themselves from the need to appease the system. And I think right. that's I'm gonna, the I'm going to throw a, um, I'm going to throw a word in that the episode uses that I think is a bit of a an answer to what we're sort of hinting around in terms of political rhetoric of either the uh, obnoxious kind of and that's not a moral statement. I just mean like you know more caustic callous or the more refined whatever like it's still a performance and i mm-hmm. think what the show is trying to tell you is hey <laughs> be somebody be a person stop performing yes. you know like mm-hmm. you you have plugged yourself in in a almost in, in an almost literal way to a system that demands certain things from you that are not meant to be demanded from you and are not and you are not beholden to honor um, and I yes. think Cherry Jones's sort of presence in the story is trying to tell you stop performing. I mean, she says it. She mm-hmm. says, "I'm not going to rate you down. Like, stop, stop. You yeah, know? like, like yeah. you're good. This is you, not an you, act. It's not a can, game. You yeah. can just be." And I think that's <laughs> perhaps the message of of Nosedive is, "Hey, <laughs> just be, mm-hmm. just be, yeah, just be you. Yeah. Like, we're all exactly. gonna we're all gonna need some to to, to uh, sand down some edges occasionally, but." But you can you can be you. <laughs> I have good lord. We need to end this episode. But I have uh, I have a scripture verse I wanted to bring in, and I had one more thing that I want to reference. And and pigeonholing it into another episode would not feel appropriate. Have you ever seen the film? One of sadly the final films before uh, Robin Williams passed away, called World's Greatest Dad. No. Have you ever seen that film? Uh-uh. Um, you need to watch well, it. I haven't seen it, but I have lived it. <laughs> I, I I don't need to see it. I am it. Yeah. Um, so, um, world's greatest dad. Like, it's it's pretty hard not to see it uh, and be sad for sure, Robin Williams' sure. passing. Um, it's especially because it was only like four or five years before he passed. But Nathan, you should watch it. You should absolutely watch it. It's it's a powerful examination of this whole like ambition versus just be real right, and just right, be right. Um, and and trying to live up to something uh, I can't get or sh- probably shouldn't get too much into the weeds of the of the story. But I will say he makes a statement at the very beginning of the movie and then he makes a statement at the very end of the movie. His statement at the beginning of the movie is um, my greatest fear is of being alone. That's his that's his open his character's opening sort of statement. I can't remember if that's word for word, but his basic sentiment mm-hmm. is one of my greatest fears is of being alone. Near the end of the film, he says something that moves me so deeply and is is so powerful. Uh, and I'm going to tie this back into Black Mirror. He says at the end of the film, and once you see the film, you'll know why it means a great deal for him to say this. He says, I used to think that the worst thing that could happen to me was winding up alone. But that's not true. 
the worst thing that can happen is to wind up surrounded by people who make you feel alone. Mm. And it's the thinking about this black mirror thing. I think about the ending of be right back where she has him relegated to an attic. Like it's, it's just a thing up in an attic. Yeah. You know, um, because she tried to get him to jump off the freaking cliff and he wouldn't do that. Oh, that scene is gut wrenching. Um, but then you get nosedive surrounded by people who, you know, like her brother calls out for her, like, you don't even like these people. Like, right. what are you doing? Right. Like, what are you doing? Uh, you're surrounding yourself by people who are sucking the life out of you. You're surrounding yourself by loneliness. You are, you know, like to, to call out Turkle's title of her book, you're, you know, just making yourself alone in this big crowded room. You're right, all right, alone right. together. Right. And. And the scripture that I had in mind was from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I am uh, I don't often do this, but I'm going to read the King James Version of it because I love the poetry of the language. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So what... You know, there's a there's a mountain of things. It's it's a passage about the entire chapter is talking in context about love and uh, moving and maturity and moving on and the world to come and all of these different things are wrapped up in in that thing. But this idea of like now there's a shade like right now there's a there's a, a glass that we see only darkly through. But but we will be then known face to face. Now we know only part of the picture. But then I love how it says, I shall I know even as also I am known. Right. Like right. that whole realness. Right. Like yeah. like yeah. me, me to to unclench my fists and run and be me. To right. not need permission to breathe or to live my life, to just be me. Like what a what a liberating and, and, and captivating thought. And I do think that it can take a dark turn where somebody can just be, uh, you know, uh, perverse and, and, and demented and, and their uh, sort of idea of who they are hurts other people continually. You could get into all kinds of weeds about that. The simple point that I'm trying to make is that there is a uh, we are rapidly moving to a capacity to where we ourselves are going to be binary code in some sort of system, some sort of uh, functional system. Um, And that is just simply choosing to abide in the dark glass, the black mirror, choosing to to just make camp there as opposed to continuing to cherish and continuing to value uh, knowing as we are known and to be known. And, uh, and I think, I think I whole, well, I say, I think I wholeheartedly agree with Turkle's observations. Uh, yes, practice humanity, practice sitting, staring in someone's eyes, uh, making eye contact, having a real honest to God conversation, uh, getting into an honest to God argument every once in a while, do so civilly, do so, uh, with, with the heart towards reconciling at the end, but say the truth and, and speak what your experience is and speak. Yeah, uh, and also in in the spirit of nosedive, that final button she I offered was cultivate non transactional relationships. You know, yes, like all the entire world of nosedive is transactional relationship. Is yeah, I'm going to do this thing because it's going to get me a thing. It's going to you yes. know, promote me to a certain thing. And uh, I, I don't know if you have final thoughts, but I do think that. Uh, uh, at least a, a, a quote from Nosedive that I'd say I would leave us on because in this whole conversation about being human, 
you know, just be like, because what's fascinating is in nosedive, the people occupying the world of nosedive are almost as unhuman as the Domino Gleason simulacrum that shows up in be right back. You know what I mean? Right. They are, they yes. are, they are representatives of some other forgotten self, you know, mm-hmm. that, that purely exists on transactional level. Um, and the, I wrote this down in my theme notes for nosedive. The gentleman who is also incarcerated for whatever unknown reason at the end has this beautiful line. And he says, it'd be a dull world without wonder. Mm. But I think the show is trying to tell you the more you engage these transactional relationships, the less human you are, the less wonder is going to exist. You know, your, your comment, uh, it wasn't endorsing an accelerated lifestyle about Cloverfield paradox. It was saying how wonderful, what a, what a bit of wonder to suddenly be surprised by a thing in in, in the world. It's not about, you know, we can, we could criticize the, the, the fast moving digital culture all we want, but the point you were trying to make was simply, I was surprised and, and left in wonder over the fact that this happened and look at this, isn't this fun and neat. And that's, that's just, yes. A human response. <laughs> you know, I can think of no better button to end on. That is that is perfect, um, dude. As this is good. Th- yeah, I have had uh, top, I have had a wonderful five? time. Top five? Uh, maybe. Yeah. This is yeah. this has been something. This has I know, been something. I'm, sure I'm really I'm sure glad you'll to have this. You'll list us. You'll list this one at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I cannot. Because I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> But uh, but we know you probably have thoughts, listeners, uh, about this episode, any of the episodes of Black Mirror, the two we specifically covered, or the you know handful that we referenced. Um, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the end of the conversation. Stay tuned. Uh, we're we're still leaving David Pumpkins on the shelf for now, only because of uh, the you know that we're covering TV shows It'd here. It'd be it's weird to have difficult. him here in Grandma's bathroom with us. Little, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just just wait for us. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> but, uh, but sincerely stay tuned to hear how you can get in touch with us in a variety of ways. And, uh, Nathan, thanks so much. Great. We're, we're, ch- we're changing it up next week. Stay on social media, <laughs> stay on social media oh, to, uh, man. to see where we're going next week. Actually, you know what? Just call us. Right. And we'll tell yeah, you. yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, thanks so much, my friend. I cherish you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Yes. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. Visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or to post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week.